Education of our children doesn't begin and end at academia. There is a spiritual responsibility on each parent and teacher to nurture and train a young soul spiritually. This is called Chinuch. Join Rabbi G every Monday at 2 p.m. as he explores education and Chinuch for parents and teachers. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. Just about to start an important conversation with Rabbi Shlomo Kolko, who is the principal of Sharitara Primary Schools. Good afternoon, Rabbi. Thank you so much for being with us. Good afternoon, Rabbi G. A pleasure, as always, to spend some time with you sharing ideas about some of the most probably important things that us as parents and uh, educators are privileged to be involved in the healthy, correct Torah development of our children. As as you mentioned... I apologize that I kind of threw in a topic we did not agree on before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so is life. So is life. And, and perhaps that could actually inform the answer or the approach that we take to this, that sometimes we wake up with one plan, and as things have it the way Hashem runs the world and events occur, we end up needing to make an on-the-spot shift or adjustment. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I would I would add into the discussion about, I'm sure, a significant discussion that's going to be taking place in our community, in homes and families, in schools, in the educational community, in the Jewish community, as far as the, are we doing enough? And possibly that answer may have changed from yesterday to today. Are we doing enough in the realm of safety? I don't want to talk too much about safety because I believe there are experts out there. There are some wonderful community organizations that have dedicated themselves to seeing to the safety needs of the, communi- of the community, children in the community, adults in the community, nationalistic things, etc. And as you mentioned, we don't even know too many details about, about this kidnapping, what the motive was. I imagine that that would be significant in determining to what degree that's a threat that potentially that we as a, we as a community need to take seriously. I don't want to talk too much about safety. There, there's CSO, there's CAP. We at the school, we, we liaise with these people. We touch base. We take input and guidance from, from people that have, that have been designated with safety. And obviously, I'm sure all schools and parents will be looking to um, follow the advice and um, – the, the input from these from these desi- dedicated and designated safety organizations as far as what are the reasonable safety measures to put into place. I know for sure that at the school we're going to be working with them in, in determining what are the correct and appropriate safety measures to have in place. I would add, though, that as a parent and as an educator, specifically in this moment, and I would say even even more so the fact that it sort of just catches us so much off guard, I would advise quite strongly, certainly to parents and educators as well, when we are engaging with our children, to avoid something that um, I think is incorrect and actually harmful to kids in all situations, and that is hysteria. That is hysteria, I believe. That I was about to ask, approaching, not approaching, talking about it, so... Sure, sure. Without, without, without a doubt, I think that it's one of the most critical and important things that us as adults in the life of our children is 
to help them maintain a sense of calm, a sense of safety, and a sense of security. And I use the word sense very specifically because I think it's important for us as adults, even if there is a danger to children, we we have to... We, we mustn't do things, we mustn't react in a way, we mustn't convey, even if we are feeling and our heartbeat starts racing and we start feeling these protective instincts and correctly so, we have to be careful that the feelings that we convey to our children are done with responsibility, are done calmly, are done constructively. Now, this is very important because obviously at a certain point, and as we know more details, I think it will become more clear to all of us what is the correct approach to be taking as far as discussing these things openly with our kids. On the one hand, if they don't need to know about it, and we as the adults can be constructing this safety net around them that we are assured that we're doing everything we reasonably can to keep them safe, perhaps the best thing would be that the kids shouldn't know about it altogether. Could that be? It's Oh, so that's that's the real question because... There's a limit at the end of the day. There's a, much, there's a limit to how much we can humanly, reasonably do, and maybe it is important to have discussions with kids that they go who we're opening the gate for. There's always going to be as much as we do. There's always going to be those those moments of exposure and risk, and maybe. And again, I'm, I'm I'm not saying anything very specific on this until we know more more details on the nature of the event and until we have the input of the relevant professionals. But um, I it's certainly to shelter the children and and. I would add that I think it's probably almost impossible to assume that in today, especially in today's world with news getting around and everything just getting around so quickly, I don't think it's actually possible to expect that kids won't know about this because it only takes one to know and then every, every, everything is going to be shared. And if they're going to be talking about it anyway, then we must, then even on that level, we must certainly speak to them. We have to ensure that they're safe, but equally, equally important is that we have to ensure that things remain calm in their world, that they're not, even if we ourselves are somewhat panicked, somewhat hysterical, and I would encourage all of us to avoid using bombastic words like hysteria and extreme danger, certain extreme words, certain words that carry with them a sense of hysteria, a sense of panic, which in pretty much all circumstances is counterproductive, even amongst adults, and particularly, particularly with kids. We know, Rabbi G, you and I, we speak often. We, we know about how much we're dealing with today in terms of children that experience anxiety, kids that are feeling unsafe, kids that are feeling um, right. not um, not secure with themselves. And there are many reasons, and it could be a great discussion at, at, a, at a different point. But one of the things that we need to do to avoid feeding into that, and particularly with the kids that have the tendencies towards anxiety, is for us to it's not only about the things that we say to them it's about what they're feeling from us they need to be they need to feel for a child developmentally emotionally it's important for him to feel a sense of safety and security and that comes primarily we know as adults that we need gates and we need security cameras and we need the protective measures in the life of a child that safety and security comes from the sense that there are adults around him that are calm, that have things under control. And it's critically 
important. There I go using a bombastic word. I think it's critically <laughs> yeah. important that even if there is an, an urgency and a strong danger over here, that that discussion, that dialogue take place between the relevant adults, and it must, but that as far as what we're communicating to the kids, as far as what they are sensing, they could pick up on our feelings even between the lines, that they're sensing we're okay, and even if they're, and possibly they must be aware that there's a bit of a danger out there, something happened, we need to be careful, maybe we need to be a little bit more careful than usual, but Be'ezus Hashem, Hashem is watching us, we're doing what we reasonably can, and for them to some sense that the adults in their life are not hysterical and panicked because the effect that that could have on the emotional footing of a child, I think, cannot, cannot be overstated. Okay. Before we move on, I will ask you one question, one more question about it sure. beforehand. Any thoughts you have as a parent, as a security person, as an educator? What do you think about what's going on? 34519 is the SMS line 061-895-1019 is the telegram or you could even call at 010-140-3020 in the 10 minutes that my phone was on between my office to the studio I got this question quite a few times from different people in different ways and for now I think that's the only question I'm going to ask you about this um, people from different schools has told have told me that the way they drop off their kids in the morning in school is that um, they drive into the school parking lot their child gets off and walks to school from the parking lot. They don't actually escort the car and walk their child. And they were asking me, should we now change that and try to find parking a bit in distance because we won't find in the school parking lot and walk our child into school? Um, their concerns were, would their child be different than other kids? Um, it was just, just going to make everything more complicated. So I don't know if it will be sustained for so, a long time. Is it reasonable or just keep what you keep doing what you've been doing and just be cautious? Great question. I'd, I'd rather not speak too much about w- what we particularly have as a school at Charitara Primary I'm School. About the school, yeah, in general, yeah, in general. But but the answer relates to the specific specific schools because I do believe that if. The, if one is dropping off a child in a, in an environment, an environment that has a secure perimeter, if the parking lot is controlled, it has controlled access, and the schools are doing what they can, and there's the security guard at the front, and the parent roster at the front, and all those security apparatuses are in place, um, the, and, and it, again, it's the controlled access parking lot is a significant feature over here. If you're dropping off your child in a controlled access parking lot, um, and the correct, again, I'm sure all the schools are going to be dealing with this on a specific level as relates to their setup. But if the entire environment, if the entire perimeter is secure, I think parents specifically walking the kids from the car into a par- from the parking lot into the school in an environment that is already secure might, might, might be, might be an example of something that could be a bit excessive and could contribute to a sense of Pandemonia and and um, and panic and hysteria. Whereas for a child, a parent that's accustomed to sending a child to walk to school outside a secure parking lot, for such a parent to say, "Listen, there, there's a bit of danger. There's there, there was a bit of an incident, and we need to be careful. And therefore, I'm going to be walking you for the next couple of days until until we're sure that this situation has been resolved or that this risk that these there could be dangerous people out there and and until until we're sure that 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 has been that has been um, settled safely and and that uh, things are no longer safe." 
safe. So for a parent to say, it's, I, I would rather that you not walk to school these days. We're going to walk you. We're going to drop you off. That it's, it's very likely that it could be appropriate. Again, I, I, I would put a word of caution into, into all of this. And that's why I'm, I'm being pulled into talking about specifics, <laughs> even though I'd rather not until, okay, uh, truthfully, like until we know more about, about the specific nature of this, of this incident. But, but as a general thing, I would say it's critical to find the balance between us being assured as adults that we're doing what we reasonably can and should to keep our kids safe, but at the same time, not creating an environment and atmosphere of panic, hysteria, which ultimately will treat into um, poor health, poor emotional health in our children. Okay. Okay. So uh, yesterday something very important happened. Um, many, many parents who normally, before they walk into their children's school, they take a deep breath, hoping everything's going to be fine and they hear all good news, had an experience that blew their minds away, if we can say. And um, I, you said not to use the fancy exaggerating words, and I'm not. I actually got response from quite a few kids in your school, about, of parents, sorry, about what happened. What happened? Share it with us. What was going on yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Baruch Hashem. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to shift the the discussion towards more positive things. Um, what we did yesterday was was quite a quite an exciting and 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 novel program that we ran. Essentially, what we had was this sense that we go through our school day and our school terms and our school year, and there's a lot of routines in place, a lot of edu- good educational systems, and we know that we're investing a lot in the in the education and the, the growth of the children and them growing as a Torah school primarily through, through Torah growth, Torah education. And we had the sense, okay, great, so we've got these great kids that are learning so much, and we've got great fathers that are knowledgeable, Torah, many, many of them great Torah scholars themselves. And we also have a particular highlight on the Jewish calendar, Rosh Chodesh Elul, which is Elul is a month where all of us are summoned to start taking our Torah, our Yiddishkeit, a little bit more seriously. And um, bonding with our spiritual journey, you'd say? Connecting to Hashem, what would be the... Um, I think I think there's room for there's there's room for um, different people to 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 work in different ways towards L. But I would say as as a as a general thing, like to to try to live with the sense that the ultimate the ultimately important things that we know in life, Torah, mitzvos, being connected to to Hashem and to and to the and to the our Jewish core, which sometimes gets a little bit. Um, buried or, or, or somewhat clouded in the, in the, in the day-to-day tedium of, of living. And, and it calls us to focus on that in, in a bit more of a, of a, of a specific way. And so, so we had, we have the school. We got the kids learning. We've got the parents. We've got Rosh Chodesh Elam. We wanted to do something really special to bring it all, to, to bring it all together. So, and it was also as, as, as Ashkacha has it, Rosh Chodesh El was on a Sunday morning, which is a morning that many of the fathers is the one day of the week that they actually could spend some time with their children in a, in an educational setting. Could or should? Or both. <laughs> <laughs> so we invited in, um, so, so we, we invited in the fathers. We said we're going to have a Rosh Chodesh morning of, uh, of inspiration. And, and we came in together and the boys davened hollow and the fathers joined in the singing, which is, which was beautiful. And the fathers had an opportunity to sit and learn with their son. And already then the energy started building up and there was, there was an excitement and a sense of, 
of some, something meaningful and uplifting already, just being being in that setting. And as the morning progressed, we we built up towards a quite quite a quite a novel and very exciting Torah interaction that the kids had with the fathers, where we got them involved in things that they with, with the boys with areas that that relate to the learning that's happening in school and we brought in these these clickers these um it's it's called an audience response polling system and I, I i had noticed this system a while back and i said hold on this is something that has great potential to make our learning fun and exciting and we called the so on at this event we had the fathers and the sons together so we had this big um screen up at the front and we got the music going and we had this whole interactive quiz going on and we got the boys into separate teams and the fathers into separate teams and then we had a few different rounds of the game we had the boys playing off against each other and the fathers playing off against each other and then we put the the boys up against the fathers and really the the, the excitement and the energy around this was just absolutely palpable and and exciting and uplifting and i think it it had such a it, it was a great exciting morning everyone had a good time rabbi Gar- rabbi g you know you've got kids we could sometimes with boys we can tap into their competitive energies to get them excited about things but if you do an event and even the losing teams come over to you afterwards and say yes, wow well fun. that was incredible <laughs> you know you know that you know that you did something successful and mm-hmm. and bar- baruch hashem we, we really it was it was an absolutely in highlight moment the feedback has been incredible everyone felt uplifted and and encouraged from it so i want to touch base on that because that's a very sensitive topic. Many times parents do want to be involved with their children, want to learn, and they they kind of come with the feeling that the children are impatient, they're not really interested. The kids many times ex- will tell me that they felt um, intimidated or tested or it wasn't just the vibe, pure connection between parents and kids. And how do you create this um, triangle of the school, the parents, the kids in a not intimidating, fun vibe um Maybe some guidelines, I'd say, about how to learn with your child without making your child feel that it's scary or intimidating. Yeah. So, so uh, um, if, if you'll allow me, I, I think I would approach the answer to your question, but give, give a bit of a background or, 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 or more gen- general response. It's, it is my deep belief, both, both, as, both as a father and an educator, and it's, and it's a belief that I try to pursue. It's a vision that I've got in Chinuch that I try to pursue, both with my family and, and in the school that, that I'm leading. And that is, I, I think that there's a fundamental mistaken assumption that people have in many ways based on their own experiences in, in school that, um, that learning, and it could be, it could, could be it applies equally to, to Torah and, and general studies, but there's this assumption that learning comes with a degree of oppression, something that's boring, something that's heavy and ultimately becomes it becomes a negative experience and something that i deeply believe is that it doesn't need to be that way it doesn't need to be that way sure learning is work it requires effort and that's something that we need to coach our kids and we need to be comfortable with the idea that we need to have them working in order for them to achieve and reach their potential but it doesn't have to be grueling it doesn't have to be boring to the point of tears it doesn't have to be dry and and frustrating and All something hard that's work so d- can be fun it needs a- to be fun <laughs> should be fun okay so 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 that that's re- that's re- that's that's really where this um where this event 
um, stood out as as something that I believe demonstrated for 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 all involved, but not just as an isolated event, but I would say as like a highlight standout moment that that for me was an expression of my vision of what I believe education can be and should be even within the routine of education, even within the day to day of education. To make it exciting, without a doubt. Okay, we do have to take another short ad break. Um, and when we come back, we'll go into a few more details and topics that are important to hear about. Any comments you have? I see some messages coming in, but we'll deal with it after the break. 061-895-1019 is the telegram. 34519 is the SMS line. Be in touch, and we'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 Hi FM, we are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion with Rabbi Kolko. Rabbi Shlomo Kolko is the principal of Shari Torah Primary Schools. In the beginning of the show, we spoke about, very briefly, about the, the tragedy that happened this morning. Um, and one of the messages coming in, hi Rabbi G, thanks for a great show, and thanks for the interesting guest, I guess that's Rabbi Kolko. As usual, just wanted to make a comment about the first uh, subject, I guess topic, in my opinion, it must be taken very seriously from every point of view so that it doesn't become a norm. So, yeah, I think, but as the rabbi said, got to be taken very, very seriously. But, I, I, could, but I, could, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, but, but step by step. Don't, don't panic as the rabbi said. Don't panic, but take it seriously. Without a doubt. Anyway, okay. So we were talking um, before the break about this amazing event of having uh, the Torah sharing fun, interactive, and with the parents and making it work. And I feel there's kind of a shift that's happening in the school system between when we were growing up to what's going on. And although we say that the school hasn't changed for over 100 years, etc., however, um majority of us going to school does not bring back a lot of fun memories as we loved school. We loved our friends. We liked going. We liked routine. But to say that the subjects and the actual academics and learning was fun, I'm not sure that suits everybody. And then I hear so many parents and even things we've discussed in this show. My son doesn't like to go to school. He doesn't find it fun. It's not, My daughter thinks that it's boring. Yeah, yeah, it could be boring. So, but it seems like something has shifted to our expectations from schools. We expect schools not to be boring, to be fun. What's go- what happened? Thank you for bringing up that point. I think it's, I think it's very important to clarify in any discussion where we're talking about ways to make education more engaging, more stimulating, um, more enjoyable. It's important to acknowledge that at the end of the day, as I mentioned, it's work. And I believe that when we were growing up, any of us would have chosen on any given day to stay home rather than go to school. And quite frankly, school, I don't think that for schools to be effective, they need to turn themselves into Gold Reef City and that we need to turn education into cotton candy, meaning something that kids can choose even though we know it's not the best thing for them. Um, It's, uh, but, but, and, and, and the truth is if we're honest with ourselves, and I've had this discussion with, with parents and with children when they say, well, they'd rather be home. And I say, that's okay. I think most adults would rather be home than, than out at work doing the things that they know responsibly that they have to do as well. <laughs> Only if the kids are in school. <laughs> no, they all want to be home. <laughs> so, 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 so let's, let, let, let's be honest with ourselves, and maybe let's all get comfortable with the idea that it's okay that even if a kid would rather stay home, it's okay. We, we can have the, um, a sense of conviction that we're doing the right thing by sending them to school. Having said that, 
Having said that, I think that there are so many areas and elements within education that we can be looking for ways to make it a more positive experience. Um, we're dealing with 2019 kids, and any and anyone anyone that thinks that we should be dealing with kids in 2019 the way we did in 1970, 1980, 1990, or even 2000 for that matter, anyone thinks or 2018, <laughs> <laughs> two months ago, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and anyone clear, clearly clearly has their has their has their head in the sand, and and it's important it's important to acknowledge that. And and there's so much talk with 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 my, with this vision that I'm talking about about in, introducing positivity. And excitement, using creativity and really stretching ourselves to think about ways to make the learning more engaging. I don't believe, I do not believe that even the most ex- effective educator in the school will, the most effective educator will ever reach a point that that kids will choose to go to school than to rather stay home or or, or would choose, give them the choice. But that's okay. We don't give them the choice. We're parents. We know that this is important for them. And I'm very okay with that. And I think all parents need to be really okay with so that. So what is our expectation? So, so the truth is, the, the kids today, there is all, all these diagnoses for, for attentiveness things. And these, these are discussions that I often internally have with the staff at the school that if so many people are being labeled and diagnosed with difficulties focusing, difficulties paying attention, is it possible that we need to maybe perhaps readjust the way that we're doing things, the way that we're engaging with them in the classroom? Now, this is... This is it possible we don't? This, this is not, this is not just my personal thoughts and, and there are great rabbis that support this. Already 30 years ago, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, one of the great Torah leaders, said that, um, quoting the, the Maimonides, Zosa Torah Lotahe Mochlefes, Torah does not change. And Rabbi Kamenetsky said, true, Torah doesn't change. But the way that we transmit Torah, the way that we teach it, and I would say in today's day and age, it's the way that we get people's attention so that they're listening to us when we teach Torah, it it must change. It must adjust. And and using the same methodologies that were always used, and then saying, "Oh, this kid has an attentiveness disorder. This kid's not motivated," is um, is uh, sort of keeping our heads in the sand. And I do believe in injecting positivity, energy, creativity. I, I the, with the teachers in the school all the time. We often have discussions around these things. And I say, variety in your lessons. Variety is an end. Is, 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 is a means towards, 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 towards these ends. Um, and what, what we're really looking at, what, what, Which my, is variety. I gotta stop you in that because a variety, I think, is something that it, you're exact, it's like spot on. Because, uh, one of the things that I've been seeing in just generation, when we watch kids on their devices connected and, and watching all this fun stuff, their patients, they watch a video somewhere. Within three seconds, they can decide to change it. Okay, I had enough of this. Five seconds for that one, seven seconds for this one. That's it. We'll go to the next one. We'll change. If you don't have a variety, you there's no way to compete it. With, without a doubt. And, and once, once you're mentioning that, I cannot... Um I cannot help but um, <laughs> speak about a subject that I'm quite passionate about, and that is the importance on the on the parental side to not overexpose kids to technology and this fast-moving, hyper-stimulating sensory input, which the more kids have of that in their out-of-school life, the more difficult it's going to be for them to have any 
interest or ability to sustain focus in any meaningful way to apply themselves with any depth of comprehension to pretty much anything. So, so I need to put that out as a disclaimer that the, that the, 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 the world of, of technological stimulation is, is working against us as educators where we have goals for more than to just have our kids stimulated, but we have goals to have them thinking. To have so, them understanding. So I need to ask you, because I asked uh, a few times, and I've asked um, just last week the, the founders of Purify were here. And one of the things I said is I said, we've had on this show people that interviewed and confessed that their job is to make games and computer games and apps addictive. To, con- to get into kids' minds, to get them um, attracted and connected. And I asked them to make a, predict- a prediction. Um, all these people that are developing these addictive, dangerous games on cell phones, and I'm talking about uh, graphics or murder, just anything that's so addictive, what's your prediction? How many years will it take, and will it take for them to sit behind bars? Short break, and I'll hear your answer right after. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, we are back to the last uh, part of our show. Time really, really went fast today. And in studio with me is Rabbi Shlomo Koko, the principal of uh, Shari Torah Primary Schools. And I asked you to make a prediction right before the break. <laughs> How long do you think it will take till the people that are developing these addictive um, apps on our phones that we're all exposing our kids to and before they sit behind bars. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm I'm not a I'm not a prophet, not with a not with a PH and not too much of an F either. <laughs> <laughs> so but um with without um without focusing too much in, in this discussion on the negative risks of technology, um I'd like to steer the direction back, if you're okay, Rabbi G, back into what we could be doing on the positive side. And the truth is, I think that they're both critically important. Okay. It's important. So you're more a politician than a, than a prophet. No, no, no. But it's, no. it's <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's go back to it's, positive. It's, it's important to not overexpose with with the wrong things, or even with um, even with neutral things, where just the overexposure and the addictiveness no, is. is I'm with you. We but at the same, but at the same, yeah. but at the same time, from from within classrooms and from within families, there are things that we could be doing. With with our children, with the things that are the most important to us, with their Torah learning, with their with Yiddishkeit, to make it exciting, to bring it to life, to animate it. Um, so an event like we did yesterday is is just like one example of a highlight moment, something something that jumps out. The idea I was invited recently to a family, which I'm not going to mention the name on air, that made a beautiful seum with with a young man that had worked with his father over a course of a couple of years. And com- in fact, I've been to two such events in the past couple of months. Young men that have completed an entire seder of mishnayos. Now, you could tell the kid, "Well done, you completed a seder of mishnayos. Keep going." Or you could call a party with all the family and all the friends and the mom and the sisters can, the, everyone can cook up a storm and really celebrate this. We, the things that we give excitement to, the things that we give focus to are the things that will stand out, the things that will create this deep, deep feeling inside a child. This is something special. This, this is something, this is something exciting. So I need a comment about that because, and we really have to end. Um, Saturday night, I was invited to an event, and I'm sure half the community was. It was um, an event that, on the advertisements towards it, they wrote that they're inviting everybody who sees his goal and focus around studying Torah. 
which means it was to create some sort of community of people that say, we don't only want to be traditional, we actually want to be studying involved into learning as much as we can. And in the past, when these events would take place, then many times you would see majority of rabbis, leaders, and actually that event took place, and except for one or two rabbis, it was filled with young people, uh, young married people, kids that weren't even uh, the uh, youngsters, like really in their early 20s. And are you seeing that shift in the community? A, a grassroots Torah movement. Yes. Without, with, with, without a doubt. And it's a wonderful development. And, and in fact, it's, it's, I, I, I would say that that event is a perfect example of what I'm talking to you with these highlight moments. There, there's so much sometimes drudgery and tedium in our day to day. So a young, a young fellow in yeshiva in Kolo puts in his six, eight hours learning a day and it's work and, and students are studying hard in school and we need to take out these moments to celebrate and to celebrate joyously and, and excitedly what we are, who we stand for, our most core values. And I believe that these, this has an effect on children. It has an effect on adults. There are events that move us. There are things that, and oftentimes those are specifically events that include other people and people coming together for a shared purpose, for a common meeting. Those are some of, for, those are some of the deepest experiences that a person could have that can actually give him an energy that will propel him positively forward through the tedium, through the difficulties of the day to day. These standout highlight moments are, are, are of such incredible value. And I do believe that as schools and as families, we look to be, we need to be looking and searching for every opportunity to pounce on these moments and make the most of them that we can. Couldn't think of more perfect words to end off. Rabbi Shlomo Kolko, the principal of Sheraton Primary Schools. Thank you so much for being here. And please, God, just continue the positivity and the work and amazing what's happening in the community. As always, thank you very much, Rabbi G. Thank you for the opportunity. And we'll be in forward. touch here again. 101.9 FM, Chachin with Rabbi G. We will be back next week. Please, God, 2 to 3, discussing Chinuch education. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, everyone. We'll be in touch.